What is up? This is uh, the International Football Bros. So uh, I'm Sam, the Hatteras Bay Mad Goats, and I'm here with Nathan with the Stellenbosch Saints. Uh, what's up, Nathan? Hey, Samuel, man. It's nice uh, to finally put a face to that name. It's been, uh, it's been good uh, having a chat, and uh, I'm looking forward to this, man. I'm looking forward to us uh, talking some, some smack about the RFA and seeing, uh, and seeing what, uh, what's up with everyone's team and the rebuilds, man. Yeah, man, this is good. I'm glad we were able to communicate and like work this out. Um, you know, it's a blessing just to be able to be in the league with you, but now be able to share this space with you and just talk uh, fantasy football and roster wars and just geek out. So it's nice. No, man. Likewise, man. Likewise. Sweet. So, uh, so roster wars. What we're doing here today is we are we're geared up. We're going to talk about what just went down. A uh, big part of roster wars every year is the RFA. Uh, so we're kind of just going to break down some stuff, talk about some insights that we may have. I mean, it's not like it's a uh, fantasy gold or nothing, but it's our processes. Maybe, uh, maybe some people share, or maybe you can learn something or maybe you can laugh at us. I'm sure. Uh, so that's kind of what we're doing for this episode. And we'll, uh, we'll continue on doing this thing hopefully and find more stuff to talk about. we got the draft coming up, so that's going to be a lot of stuff to talk about. So yeah, Nate's in the, Nate's in the PP. Um, so you got all the insight with PP. Um, I'm in the TT, so I got that insight, and then we can poke fun at the RR and DD. No, exactly. Uh, the the RR like uh, like talking a big game, but uh, let's uh, we'll, we'll get into the RFA shortly. Yeah. So yeah, Sam. As you said, like I think uh, the first things first is um, let's sort of dig a bit deeper into sort of the the Hatteras, uh, Hatteras Bay Mad uh, Mad Goats, man. Tell tell me, yeah in the last month and a half what, what has been the thought process going into into pre-rfa just remind us about your tags and 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 what sort of your mindset was going going into rfa yeah man so i mean i know uh i know everybody's always interested to hear about the the mad goats but um yeah i, I took this team two years ago uh was it two, yeah two years now and uh, i've just been trying to make it my own and so this uh this past off season and then this past this next this draft and the next draft is kind of what's going to culminate and help making this, uh, put this stamp on my team. So, uh, I took, uh, I took a lot of prep in RFA. I kind of do a, a similar process every year. You know, it, it changes, but, um, I kind of, I'll show a little bit of what I look for. Um, I'm going to put this up on the screen. So this is what I look for. Um, I'm sorry, this is just for the TT. So, uh, for those in the promising prospects, rising rookies and actually dozen, like it's just take your teams and apply it. If you were to do the same process I do, but, I take all the teams. Uh, you can see right here in this left-hand column, starting off with the Charm City Justice, the Steel Cats, and I, I mark right next to them how many Warbucks they have to start off. And then I just kind of track the tags, like I'm sure some of us do, uh, as they come up and as they um, become available when people post them. And I try to calculate uh, over here how much it's going to cost for everybody to, to utilize it, utilize those tags, and how much Warbucks they would have uh, left over. So with that, that's what I look at to see who I'm going to possibly look at going uh, after RFA if um, if they're a tag player or who's going to be available if they're not tag players. So no, knowing how much Warbucks somebody has and knowing how much, you know, if they're trying to protect somebody like, um, like for instance, like uh, Greg did this past RFA, you see uh, California Nightmare. Uh, so if they're green, that means they were, they were bid on or they were, they did, they got action in RFA. So he uh, franchise tagged A.J. Brown, so I knew right away, like, hey, man, uh, somebody's coming after A.J. Brown if they only got to pay a first-round pick or a future first-round pick. Uh, so, 
you look at what he had Warbucks and how much he was going to be able to spend to protect him. And uh, that's kind of how I prep it. And then this tag, uh, this little tableau down here is, it's not accurate anymore. Uh, but it, you know, I, I kept it uh, like a running tally of who had what picks. So like, again, justice, man, he had one, one and one, two. I don't really think he's going to, I don't really think he's going to try to go after a franchise tag player if he's got to pay one of those those picks. So I kind of knew that my franchise tag guy would be safe from uh, from Bill. And I kind of go from there. So when I prep for RFA, it's a little bit of draft prep as well. Like I look to see what rookies are coming in and where I'd feel comfortable losing a guy. And that's kind of how I determine what tags I, I feel safe or I want to put on players. Wow. Yeah, just um, just asking you quickly, what, what is your opinion then of Greg not using the super franchise tag on AJ Brown? Like, if if you're putting yourself in sort of Greg's shoes, there, do you do you think you? We can obviously look at back at it in hindsight. Do you think you made a mistake there? And and what what are the reasons for franchise tagging a player versus super franchise tagging them? I mean, it's tough, man. So I think there's a lot that goes into it. Like with roster wars. There, there's so many wrinkles and so many different things you can do with building your team and how you manage it and then um, and how you attack different different levels of just roster construction or team building. Um, I'm not Greg. I, I, I'd be one to I mean, I'd be one to bet that he probably was looking to save a little bit of Warbucks by doing the franchise tag first doing the super franchise tag. That super franchise tag is you know 100 bucks, man. So, yeah, it gets expensive real quick. You can see like. The bottom three teams, uh, Colin, me, and um, Easy, we used every tag available, and that you know, look look at that compared to what what Bill did. Bill only spent fifty five, and we spent tons more than him. So, uh, by saving that those war bucks, it allows you to like go shopping in RFA, or it's it's a gamble, you know. Um, yeah, and 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 what's your opinion in terms of um, a rebuild team? Uh, or even a team that's sort of challenging for the title. Do you think it? Do, do you think how much does it influence the stage of your team? Whether you use all the tags, or is it more personnel uh, thing that 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 is the actual deciding factor on on whether you use all the tags or not? Yeah, man, that's, I think that's an excellent question because I think I think there's no right or wrong answer. Um, you can just look at it here. Like I'm a rebuilding team. I was the one two. Uh, Easy won the whole league. He was the 112. So, yeah. uh, and we both used all of our tags. Um, whether that was smart of me or not, I don't know. But I look at the, the players I tagged, and I think they're all kind of worthy of getting a tag. So, what I did. I, and but, I think. I think further to that as well is is you see your, your your two big tags your your super franchise tag and your franchise tags they're both quarterbacks they're both uh, crucial positions. Um, I'm sort of looking back over your team and you've obviously still got Trey Lance on a five year contract. You have Zach Wilson unfortunately on a three year contract, and you got Daniel Jones on two. So you didn't need you didn't need to necessarily take both these quarterbacks. But as you say, like I think Trey Lance and and obviously having Brock Purdy is 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 a great sort of balancing act there. Um, um, and you've got Donald to so have the Holy Trinity there, and then, and then obviously uh, with Deshaun Watson, that's that's a no-brainer in terms of uh, a super franchise tag. And I think using those quarterbacks as sort of trade leverage later down the line is is obviously something which which could come in very handy for your team re rebuilding quicker. I imagine. Yeah, man. You know, Superflex League. Um, you got teams that that win and win a, a lot without having uh, two stud quarterbacks. Um, that's the way I dynasty, the way I do superflex. I, mean, I didn't do it when I started off, but I started learning real quick that I 
I just feel more comfortable if I have those positions taken care of because outside of the draft, it's really hard to get a quarterback, man, especially without giving one back. So um, that's kind of why I chose those two. But um, to, to, for, to go to the other question, I think it all depends on like what, what your lead mates are doing. Uh, so you see like, like Bill didn't have hardly anybody to tag, you know, Haji didn't have hardly anybody to tag. If people are going to leave guys out there that I feel are taggable and I can get them for cheap. Like I think I got, um, I got Daniel Hunter for a future fourth and then comped him and got 30 war bucks. You know, you run a, like I ran a risk doing that, but uh, if I'm, if other people are zigging the way I'll, I like to do it is I'll zag and I'll, I'll use those tags and, um, do different things than, than someone else is doing to try to gain an advantage. Yeah, so I don't really, I don't think it's based off of if you're, you know, rebuilding or if you're champion is based off of kind of what your roster looks like and who's expiring contracts and all that and who's available. Yeah, absolutely. And I imagine, I imagine for you, the transition from obviously the futures league up into the main league, you're obviously inheriting an orphan there and, and it's not a dispersal. Like quite a lot of the new guys who start in the futures league, they tend to have a dispersal and it's more, it sort of feels like their team from the start. Whereas when you're obviously taking over a team in the main league, I think it is quite difficult because more often than not, the team does have quite a few hiccups. It does have a few speed bumps and it is about sort of rebuilding that. Look at sort of even Haji and uh, since he's moved up, Collins obviously done incredibly well to turn his team around so quickly um bob and obviously star their interesting sort of uh change in sort of divisions um I, I think a lot of these future guys that do go up i think it does take a season or two to actually sort of rebuild that core of your team going forward and i think the tags then become even more so important in sort of a new team into that league yeah if you're not like looking at um if you're not looking at your roster and planning ahead and especially looking at the contracts like if you go to trade for somebody like I already have them all mapped out. Who are my one-year guys? Who are my two-year guys? Who do I look at that I might possibly uh, be using a tag on? And that way, if I enter a trade negotiation with with Stye or whoever, and he's one, you know, and it's a it's a deal for a dude that's going to be on a one-year deal that expire at the end of the year. Like, am I ready to take that investment? And is it going to be something that um that I can use and protect and keep long term, or is it just a is it a short-term guy that I need to like look at something else because I'm not going to be able to protect him? So, it's a lot of balance act. For yeah, me. no, exactly, no, exactly. So now, sort of moving on from sort of the tag side of things, how how did obviously you've used all five of your your max tags? You go into RFA with what eighty eight or wall bucks there. How how what what was your how many other zero or sort of free agent players did you have going into RFA that you were hoping to retain? And and what were your thoughts around the rest of your squad going into RFA? Uh, so for me, man, it was this was my RFA. These five guys. Um, I had a you know a couple guys here and there that uh, I had you know like uh, that I, I was looking at or I wanted to buy on the cheap, but I knew that the majority of my money was going to be spent on these guys, and I felt like somebody was going to come after uh, Deontay Johnson, which they did, and so I felt like I needed to save money for that. So uh, outside of these guys, I had like uh, guys that I would spend five to ten war books on at max, but I did a lot of movement when we were in the RFA. Um, because it's, it's, it's weird how things work, work and every conference is different. But when people use the comp tags like that, that's tactical. It's got a tactical significance because all of a sudden you're putting money back into somebody's account. Uh, when the transition tags are called out or even franchise tags are called out, it uh, it kind of puts people on notice. And it always seems to like cascade down where you'll see one after the other once that yeah. uh, once that door is open. Uh, I see. I see obviously a big part of your RFA um, was your trade with the justice there. Um, yeah. cause you obviously 
sort of traded and you end up ended up with a, a 90 Warbucks. Um, remind us all, what, what, what was that trade? What, what did the trade include? Uh, so I gave him the 2-1 in this draft, um, which is the 13th rookie. And this is obviously our phase before the draft. So like I said, I do a little bit of draft prep beforehand and I kind of find out where my comfort zone is. Uh, Pre-draft, uh, my comfort zone was seven. I felt like there were seven guys that I really liked and then there was a there was a drop off after that. So I felt like after that, like eight and on um, was kind of pick your guy season. And I felt comfortable enough that, hey, what I did is I traded him two one and a 2026 20, first for that 90 Warbucks. And the intention of that was to um, solidify getting Brandon Ayuk and uh, keeping Deontay Johnson. So I kind of balanced it as like these two guys are worth more than that two one and a that future first is a future Sam problem, you know, so. Uh, that was my thought logic going into that. Yeah. And then because, watching the draft, I'm like, man, I'm <laughs> the drop off is actually for me a lot earlier than seven now. Yeah. Oh, exactly. And I think um, you've also, you, you, you quite well loaded for future firsts anyway. I mm -hmm. think um, what do you have three or four future firsts next season? So, yeah. I got four first next season. Ex exactly. So, so you, so you had that draft capital, um, to basically cash in for Warbucks, which is what you needed um, to, to, as you say, protect, <clears throat> excuse me, protect two, two of your, your important building pieces. And these are two young receivers who, who should have longer careers um, and should be sort of uh, producing at, at, at elite levels, as you say, better than, than that drop off in the draft. So yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. Those moves that you made. Yeah. I mean, like I said, like we already talked about, it's crazy how uh, just, unique each conference is going to be and unique the RFA process is like, you never know. Um, Pigskins Matt kind of started it all off by trying to get a, a second round pick. Uh, you can see in the table, he had one, uh, but for like half of RFA, he didn't. And then as soon as he acquired one, you knew that yeah, that's what he does, man. The fireworks are on. He's, he's coming hunting for uh, some transition tags. And once that starts happening, it's like your, your butthole puckers and you're just trying to ride the storm, you know? Yeah. Have you, um, obviously you've only been in, in the main league now for the last two years, but you've sort of obviously watched it since you've been in the league. Do you, <clears throat> excuse me, um, have you sort of uh, created some sort of understanding that you feel you understand the league members in the main league and sort of their personalities around RFA or like some people, like for example, Sty is, is maybe an unpredictable person when it comes to rfa whereas other people might be a bit more predictable some people sort of leave it late or or, or do you find everyone is quite different and, and varies at different stages oh, i think i think it's variable man and i think uh like my expectations coming in this rfa and i said it like um towards the end of the year last year when when bill just like started piling up draft picks piling up the war bucks i told everybody like man you better lock your doors because bill's going to come hunting rfa like there's no reason for him not to and Bill's an active owner, and he he definitely will. You know, if you go look at his roster now, like he was bottom four last year, just from some bad luck. Um, he did get beat by one a really great team, the Hatters Bay Mad Goats. But um, he his team is like dominant right now, and it's because he took everything he had with the picks and the Warbucks, and he maneuvered himself around. And he's going to be a force this next year. Uh, so you kind of I kind of looked at it, and like you can look and see where people are at. But then you always have that style factor. Style came in to uh, TT, and he's like, he's a hurricane, man. He's just turning things around. So you can't you can't predict style. No, but that, that that's the beauty of this league. We've got what forty six uh, or what uh, for, 
close to close to 40 yeah. odd managers right and and i think each each league is unique each league has unique individuals who are unpredictable and that's the beauty of this league there, there are not many super active leagues where, where you've got four 12 team divisions and everyone can sort of go in different directions um and we all play under the same rules but we all playing different games yeah. um so it's uh it, it's a really unique thing and as you say you just have to you sort of have to stick to your courses i think i think a lot of teams will get sucked into or sidetracked from the bigger picture of what they're focusing on and uh and i don't know how how, how to sort of sum up your rfa were you quite pleased where you ended up do you do you think there were areas or maybe individuals that you bid on or didn't bid on that you regret not doing so or or how would you sort of summarize your your rfa yeah, man, I I, uh, I walked out of the RFA, you know, liking what I got. Um, I, I wish I could have kept that future first, but like Sam probably it, it kind of it's it's funny because like the way RFA goes, it always feels like at the end when you look back, it's um you can get like the first round of players that go off the board, they're kind of a little cheaper because everybody's kind of testing the waters, and then later on you start seeing guys go. You're like, man, I'm bidding ten war bucks on the safety. And I could have got this other safety that I like better for five, two weeks ago. And uh, yeah. it's a dangerous game to play. But once again, like if you're playing protection mode where I'm I'm trying to make sure I don't spend too many war bucks for, you know, to save up for protecting a guy like you is you got to do what you got to do. What about what about you? What's your um, what's your approach when you get ready for RFA? Yeah. So obviously I've I've now finished sort of two two seasons. I've done two RFAs um uh, two sort of rookie drafts so i would still consider myself a very uh, relatively new but at the same time um the futures it, it changes so quickly before you realize that you sort of an established member in 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 the futures league and um yeah the, the first the first rfa i was just absolutely guns to the wall sort of bidding on everyone and 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 getting way too involved and and i sort of stung myself in the foot a little bit last year i had um uh, in, in sort of my rookie year it was it wasn't too bad because i i ended up sort of incredibly i i won sort of chapter seven but only just by sort of points differential um but then last year i had quite a lot of big injuries um i made quite a few reckless uh trades at certain times obviously i got rid of sort of josh allen for sort of trey lance and a first and kind of pieces and and from that point onwards i was very much okay we i need to sort of go into rebuild end of the season last year two and ten um stupidly i'd i'd already previously traded away my first for 2023 uh in my rookie season so there was a lot of learning curves and and yeah. i sort of had to learn how to adapt but i knew very much so that my team is going through a transition where i need to sort of rip it down and sort of build it back up so um based on the fact that i was looking for sort of future first so i've now got three first in 2024 um my own included um and then going into rfa it was very much uh i could see sort of the horizon in the sense that i've got guys coming up for rfa um in 2024 like i've got kyla murray i've got michael pittman jr um i've just traded away logan wilson for a second uh just because i feel like i need to start thinking the bigger picture um and then other than that they're not too many there's there's a few smaller idp guys like you can say your latent vendor issues and your and your grant delpits who who might be worth considering extending or, or even tt if they have another big season or if they have a big season but i feel like i've 
staggered it out relatively well that I should be able to rebuild and and hopefully come back um, in the next season or two. But um, I was speaking to you just before we started recording, and it's so difficult um, to actually to actually rip it all down. I think mm-hmm. I really struggle to go through RFA and be like. Well, I'm going to need some depth somewhere. So I go and I, I, I think I ended up uh, picking up Demario Davis, for example. But I picked up Demario Davis for four Warbucks. So, like again, I'm a Saints fan, so I'm a bit biased to a player like that. But the reality is, is in hindsight, that's actually a really silly bid for me because. Uh, he, he he's he's only going to make my team a little bit better, which right now that 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 defeats what I should be trying to do. I should be patient. I should be sort of looking at the youngsters and building from there. But I don't know. It's 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 natural human in you to try still be competitive. Um, yeah, it's no, hard. It's hard to lose. It's hard to sit there and just take a lose an L every day or every week. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, and obviously, the the biggest fear is 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 the one thing I desperately don't want to be is pink. So so I just I just want to make sure that I I I, I somehow solidify the 101 or the 102 or the 103 um next year in the pp but at the same time i just stay away from pink as that's much a, as possible. that's a fine line man it's it's this year it's collapsed for caleb but don't get pink you know so it's yeah exactly it's, it's, it's gonna be a rough one uh but yeah to your point where you're talking about with looking at future years and and the what you got coming up like i think that's varsity level and i'm sure you know we play with a lot of seasoned owners so i'm sure a lot of them do it but um have you tagged anybody that wasn't an expiring contract, like given the extension clause? Um, so I did strongly think about it this year. So I strongly thought uh, about extending Kyler Murray. However, at the same time, he's young enough that I almost want to actually, I nearly even considered actually buying out his contract and super franchise tagging him. So I was thinking of doing the flip side where I'll pay over and above just to sort of, bankroll it because i didn't have many tags this year i think i only used um i only used the franchise tag this year on nick bosa it was the only tag i used no one came and knocking for him so so i'm pretty happy to have kept him for 50 warbucks yeah um, so in hindsight maybe i should have thought because i'm sort of sitting at the end of rfa and i've got 100 warbucks or oh, i've got 90 warbucks now in the kitty so i've got enough that will take quite a bit of the blow next year if I do need a super franchise tag because I, I do foresee myself looking to have to franchise tag Kyler Murray and then the following year at CD Lamb. So I've mm-hmm. got two big super franchise tags coming up, which was what I was just vigilant of. At the yeah. same time, I could well have extended uh, someone like CD Lamb, but to me, these guys are young enough that it's worth not we- not spending that 20 warbacks on the extension, rather wait just just spend the hundred wallbacks and just give him a, a five, six year contract, whatever you need to make sure that he sort of ends a, a Saints player. But at the same time, we all know how those long, those long-term contracts can go sometimes and a guy gets injured or a guy retires or something happens. Um, yeah. it, it can all go very patient. Correct me, uh, Sam. It was, it was you that had uh, Andrew Luck on, on a long contract. Uh, just I had, a, I had him a long contract, but not like Nick. Nick was the one that had him on like forever contract and it just, Oh, wasn't good for him as you said look that, that's freak the, 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 I, it would be interesting to historically go back and look at all the super franchise tags and maybe that's a project for for someone or even myself if i get some time is is to look at all the the super franchise tag players uh, over the last five years or six seasons or whatever yep. and actually see how well invested that that hundred warbucks was because that'd be an interesting little article 
Well, you got uh, you got Maddie uh, Rottweilers that he has like a whole formula he does with how many warbucks you spend and how it equates to contract years and draft capital and geo tagging locations and uh, you saw, you saw that article today. That was pretty. Yeah, awesome. it was awesome, man. It was yeah. great. But uh, yeah, I, this is I mean this is why one of the you know amazing things you have about Russell Wars is the different tactical ways you can address things and look at things. Like you said, with you got those upcoming. Uh, those upcoming tags that will be coming and you know you kind of so you didn't use an extension so you held on to it i did i had daniel jones he was on a one-year deal and i had a couple other guys on one-year deals and i prioritized extending him because i wanted to offset some of those other those tags i knew had coming up um so it's just different way people approach things and uh it's it's fascinating to me like watching and seeing different people do different things look to me to me to me the real thing with the extension uh tag is is I would I personally would be quite hesitant to use it on a player I think I will inevitably use a super franchise tag on because then you're paying 20 bucks extra just to sort of kick the bucket for one year whereas rather just save those 20 war bucks and defend someone in RFA or go out and get someone or maybe even put that on on top of a, a, a transition tag and make it a bit more affordable to go after someone else knowing very well that you will inevitably have to spend the 100 warbucks. Kyler Murray is is someone that if he does come back fit, he deserves a super franchise tag. CD Lamb, if he has another good season, he will be a super franchise tag quality player. Like that that's the sort of thing and that's why I asked them on the, are they on the same expiring contract like deals or no? No. So okay. so so it's yeah, I've I, I've got Pittman, I've got Michael Pittman Jr and I've got Kyler Murray next year. So they they both on one year. Um but yeah, it'll be as you said. It'll be it'll be interesting to see sort of uh, sort of how further it goes. Yeah. So uh, so button up your RFA. Did you like what you did? Uh, is there stuff you wish you would have done differently, or what all did you see on the PP side? Yeah. So yeah. Sort of look. I've I've obviously already sort of touched base on 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 the Saints themselves, like myself already. Yeah. Um, it was a relatively good um, RFA. I didn't. Uh, I, I sort of because I'm rebuilding. I'm I'm quite happy with my my IDP side. I'm quite happy defensively. And when I say happy, I've got sort of the Bosa brothers. Um, I've still got Shaq Leonard and and DeForest Buckner. That to me, they they're not really that. They're not very useful if I'm sort of rebuilding. So I will at some stage look to trade them late in the season or even earlier. Um, but I picked up Tremaine Edmonds uh, using a transition tag. Um, so I went after him with the badges. Um, I gave up a 204, which was quite an early second round. But I just felt that, as you said, there was such a fall, a fall off, and I just felt he was one of the t- one of the transition tags I'd go after and sort of to, to to help out the defense there. And then I picked up sort of Elijah Mitchell, Michael Carter, sort of these backup running backs for sort of 10 warbacks, which again, maybe I did overspend there, but I'm really lean at running back. I've only got Cam Akers. So mm-hmm. I was sort of needing just a little bit of young something there. Um, I went after sort of Chase Claypool and Curtis Samuel. So I, I feel, I felt my my offense was quite light and quite thin. So I was trying to pick up guys who are young enough that maybe something might happen hopefully there's a bit of a, a ceiling but at the same time this that could well sort of go pear-shaped but sort of skimming through the pp it, it was quite an interesting um it was quite an interesting sort of year i think um the mayhem obviously sort of um they they sort of came out guns blazing i've put together a few sort of stats here they started with about 200 warbucks carla ended up spending 
um, about 180 Warbucks during the RFA, of which 160 of them uh, were on, D on IDP, defensive side. She picked up Pete Werner for 56. She picked up Dre Greenlaw uh, for 40. Uh, she picked up Jeremy Chin for 40 as well. So she went all out on the defensive side of the ball, did Carla. Then you obviously had the new boys, the counselors. Uh, they were pretty well balanced, sort of spent about 120 and sort of 80 on both sides. Um, uh, but but then again, I was again I was speaking to you as well uh, beforehand. The the enigma that is uh, Keith and and the Cyclone City Falcons. This man is sitting walking into RFA and the PP with 380 warbucks. He hardly uses a tag, and then he proceeds to only spend about 100 warbucks. And now he's sitting on 280 warbucks still. And I don't know. You you obviously had quite a lot of uh, competitive seasons in the PP with with uh, with Keith, but you you mentioned this is he's done this year on year it's it's almost becoming predictable when when is it going to change i mean we had uh we had someone in tt that did that with craig and just like sat on them and uh it's always that fear when you have somebody that has that many uh warbucks like man when they do like pounce they, they're gonna draw blood on everybody so uh it's all it's all depending on when they're gonna do it or not you know yeah, no, agreed. And 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 he had the sort of first in hand, and he's got the team that's sort of there and thereabouts. Like I think he's got quite a few um, handy little young players, sort of in that squad. I think he's got. Correct me if I'm wrong. He's got Justin Fields. Um, he's obviously a little bit needy at quarterback because he, he's got sort of Zach Wilson and sort of Malik Willis and stuff. But th there weren't too many quarterbacks out there. But there were. Pieces like Kirk Cousins, I think, and and a few other sort of uh, half and half sort of quarterbacks, mm -hmm. where they, they they will definitely make you competitive, but whether they'll put you over the top, who knows? Um, but he is going into um, the draft this year with quite a lot of. I think he does have the one hundred one. He's got the one hundred one and the one hundred four, um, and he's got the two hundred one. 203, 205, 207. So he's got a hell of a lot of draft caps. So I imagine uh, Keith will sort of make moves there and whether he trades up or whether he trades back, it'll be it'll be interesting. He'll have a, a big influence on on what happens there in the PP. Yeah. So uh, you, you mentioned something, though, that I wanted to ask about. So I always had the feeling that people tend to spend a lot more in RFA on defensive players for whatever reason. And you mentioned Carla spent 160 out of 180 on, uh, on IDP. Do yeah. you get that sense too that the IDP kind of goes a little more heavily in um in RFA than offensive guys do? I think so. I think so. And I th I think that's fundamentally driven by the draft. And I think because a lot of people um feel that they can anticipate or see um ceilings on offensive players through the draft. So usually uh, this is obviously generalizing, but in your first two rounds in most rookie drafts here, maybe you've got two or three IDP players, in yeah. maybe four at maximum if it's a good year. So I think a lot of people feel that they can hit in the draft on offensive side. Therefore, RFA, maybe they want sure, sure, sure to pieces. Um, That's a fair point. Um, so I think... Obviously, again, it depends whether or not you have the draft capital to do that. But I also think that um, I think there are a lot more. There's a lot more competition on the defensive side of things, where I think the positions are a bit deeper as well. And and because they, again, I generalize. I I don't think many people are IDP 
uh, gurus or or actually understand the the real in-depth side of IDP. So therefore, they're willing to spend a little bit extra to get that depth. So you've sure. got sort of you've got sort of you sort of overpick or over sort of bid um, to have that extra linebacker or have that extra edge rusher or have that extra defensive tackle because you don't know who's going to start or what's going to happen there, and that's what sort of causes I think a lot of them to get bid up uh, as well as people like retaining the IDP. If they have a good IDP player, they're going to do whatever they can because they more likely won't use a tag on IDP side of things. So they'll end up having to sort of retain them uh, through through the RFA. Yeah. So that, that drives me to my next question is the the comp tags. Like you can see, I got a, I got a slide here. It shows all the comp tags. You can see on the comp tags who used them, how much uh, they went for, and it just like overwhelmingly in favor of the defensive guys like if you use a comp tag on a defender over an uh, over an offensive guy you you made out like a bandit in most cases yeah but like you look at uh look at dd man they there was four people that used comp tags at all um whereas in tt it was everybody but four it was eight so there's yeah. obviously a disparity here on how people use or or view this uh compensation tag like what do you look at yeah you didn't use one so what is kind of your basis and how you uh, approach this? Yeah, I, I, th I think, um, I think, I think if you, I don't know, I, I didn't go after a comp tag either. Um, I sort of tried to bid a few up, but I, I feel like you, I don't know, it's, it's very difficult. It all depends on what sort of how your team sort of lining up and what position you're in. I think if you have the luxury. Um, of having an elite player like what Andy did, for example, with Tyreek Hill, um, even the Melosos with with Derek Carr, and then and then obviously um, Easy with sort of uh, Oyasade. Like these are these are elite players in their game position. changers. Game changers in our game to get yeah right. And Andy obviously had enough depth. Um, sort of the Melosos had enough depth, and obviously Easy had enough depth depth in those positions to say, look, let's throw it out there, let's see what happens. Um, there was obviously a brief stage in my mind when I did own Josh Allen and he was on a one year last year. That's also why I traded him because I didn't want to spend the super franchise tag on him, which I, I'll probably regret until the day I leave Rust Wars. But we'll, 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 that's a different conversation. Um, but if you have, if you are in the position where you do feel this is not your year, or even if it is your year, if you can blow the roof off with a player like a Tyree Kill, you know you're going to return big value. Um, but I think I think the rest of them, all the guys in the range between sort of, as you say, 10, 10 warbucks to 20 warbucks, to me, that's just, it's, it's quite high risk. And if you've got the warbucks to take that risk, fine. Um, but at the same time, um, it's only really if, if you feel your team is in the position to. Like, even look on the RR side, you've got uh, the Blitz, obviously, had Nick Bosa. And again, 77 Warbucks. And, and I think he had, obviously, he's gone back-to-back -back championships. He's an unbelievable team. And, and he needed the Warbucks there. He, it was obviously catching up to him, the sort of Warbuck salary cap. So he went Nick Bosa out there and, and sort of rebuilt through there. So, yeah, I... I think the other the other risk with the with the comp tag is is when your comp tag gets nominated. Yeah, and, and I think that's a huge influence, which again you have no control over. Um, so it's it's a risky thing. But I don't know who who did um, did you use your your comp tag? Uh, this I used it on uh, Daniel Hunter, but I I agree with all your points, man. It is risky, right? And you can't control when it's going to come out. If um, if it comes out like there was defensive ends going and going and going in, in TT, 
And I just, I wanted them to clear the board to where when my guy finally did uh, make it up there, that there was no, there was no one better out there. And that kind of makes me think that, Hey, look, he's going to, the price is going to be driven up because of the necessity of, Hey, this is, this is it. Um, but there's also like this, uh, this mental thing that everybody plays where it's a comp tag. I know I'm giving you money by bidding on a comp tag. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of feel, I don't know if there's truth to this or whatever, but I kind of feel like, Hey, they probably would have went for more if there wasn't that, you know, that, that's that psychoanalysis of, Hey, I'm, I'm building you up by doing this. I, th I, I think that's more evident in the in the futures than in the main league i think i think in the main league because people have built up um quite big war chests for 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 such a long time they're happy to sort of bid on compact comp tag uh players whereas I, I do think in the futures because uh you don't have as experienced comp campaigners you've got a lot of new guys sort of uh joining or especially on the pp side of things but the reality is you've got guys that don't understand the tag enough so all they see is oh this money is going to my competitor this this these this wallback so like to me a perfect example is is the mungman and 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 obviously corbin's sort of put chris jones up there who in my opinion is 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 a top 10 sort of defensive tackle and if not higher than that, and he only went for seven warbacks. So, so Corbin ends up losing three, which is absolutely crazy. Yeah. Um, someone like Darnell Mooney, I think it was obviously just bad timing there. Like it was sort of, he's, he's, he's a talented player and Fields is obviously growing. But at the same time, it is sort of luck of the draw and, and, and when these players are nominated during RFA. And sometimes you almost need to be a bit streetwise. I remember um, in my first year, I contacted Damian Harris. Um, the running back when he was still sort of at the Patriots and he was looking all right. And, and, but I knew straight away, I, all my nominations have to be running backs because I have to get all the running backs off the board or all the good running backs so that someone is forced to go after, after Damon Harris in the contact. So there yeah, are man. ways about doing this. So that's, that's the thing. I think that's another hidden gem that people don't realize or don't talk about is there is tactical significance of who you open bids on. If you're just, just willy-nilly and just putting a player up there, like you should have some kind of uh, direction and some kind of, you know, reasoning why you're doing everything you're doing. And uh, I definitely agree with you there. Like if I, if I want my guy to get the most, I want to have everybody else off the board to where supply and demand is there for, in favor of me. Yeah. Like, absolutely. like you said with, uh, like you said with uh, Chris Jones, like look at the disparity though. So in PP, he went for seven. Look what, uh, look what he went for in TT. Like that's, just the that's a difference of knowing your league mates or supply and demand yeah. of what's available. Uh, yeah, James Conner was another one I, I I looked at. He went he he matched out his ten um his comp tag price, but if over in the TT, easy uses a transition tag on him. So yeah. it's just it's you got to kind of it. It's not a one size fits all. It's every league is going to be different, and it's gonna a lot of it's going to depend on what is available in that RFA. But for me, I will. Most likely, I know I have this far. Uh, always, always, always use a comp tag because if I can get a, if it's a player that I don't want to retain, then why not try to get a, a profit from him? Because if I'm going to lose him anyway in RFA, there was you know one, two, there was two instances where people lost money, and then four instances where they they uh, they broke even. Everybody yeah. else at least gained some kind of money from it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's um. As you say, I, I I think it's something that I'll probably consider what, once my team has sort of transitioned to where I'm happy with it to be. 
than than it is and and as you say it's sort of also luck luck of the draft as well well i wouldn't say luck it's doing your homework because if you end up having a very good draft or a strong draft and and you cover the costs and 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 the depth in a certain position it does afford you the luxury to 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 to, to comp tag an elite player like let's say in our draft i sort of hit on uh, late quarterbacks like a Hendon Hooker or uh, or Will Levis or Jake Hayner. Say Derek Carr gets injured, Jake Hayner at the Saints becomes something, whatever. Like the reality is, then I I might be in the position where I say, hell, let's put Kyler Murray up for contact and see what happens. Like yeah. it is, it is how you. It is a combination of sort of the perfect storm, and 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 I haven't looked at Andy's team too closely, but obviously the the balls to put up someone like Tyreek Hill, knowing very well, hell, like if 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 he gets anything less than a hundred, it's almost a failure because he's a super franchise tag caliber player. Yeah. It, um, it's also interesting because uh, again, that's where the the franchise tag comes in is, and the difference between getting a. A draft pick from this draft and the future draft is that essentially you almost always wanted to be the future draft and take the comp because also the future draft pick is is variable it might not necessarily be the the 112 or, or the 212 or the two oh, there's there's tactical involvement in that too and i i will i will apologize for calling to colin for about to spill these beans but um i'll tell you what happened in, in uh tt so Sty went bidding on uh, Brandon Ayuk, right? And Sty and I were kind of in a competition for Brandon Ayuk. Sty at the time didn't have a, a second round pick, so he was bidding a future second. And uh, I had had the means available to um, go up by a war buck or five war bucks or whatever I wanted to to up up Sty and and get the new bid, but I waited. <laughs> I waited till Sty's transition tag was off the board and he had a second round pick. Because I didn't want Colin to get a bunch of extra Warbucks on top of a pick. So, yeah. like, uh, the tactical significance of that, I know that probably pissed Colin off because he would have rather have not matched and got 100 Warbucks and a future second instead of getting 50 Warbucks and, uh, or I'm sorry, 25 Warbucks and, uh, and a 212. But you got to know what you're doing. Uh, no, abso absolutely. Like, I think, the, the, as you say, and that's the beauty of this, there's so many different interpretations, how, how different people like it. And, and that, that's, that's only the responsibility on every individual in roster wars. Like, that's on you guys. That's on us. Like, the, uh, reading your team, understanding your team, looking at your opponents, whether it's just in your, in your conference or whether it's in other conferences or whether it's in other chapters or whatever, like, it's, it's, um, it's accumulating that knowledge. And that, that's what makes this place such a, such a little nugget of, 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 of absolute uh, high competition, but, but, but fun, man. Yeah. You see, did you see anything in uh, NRFA like through uh, PP, DD, any, uh, anybody out, out of all the conferences that kind of surprised you or like what, what so the, the, uh, things were? So I did, um, I did a little bit of homework on, on the DD side of things. And, um, and yeah, it, it was interesting. Um, look, obviously those teams, let me sort of get it up here because uh, the different teams are sort of different stages. Um where they were because you've got some teams like the silver ballers who who are absolutely rebuilding um but at the same time if you look at um uh, like for example one interesting bit i i thought from the silver ballers was they went and got brandon cooks for 20 war bucks again brandon cooks he's a good player and i'm sure you'll have a, a pretty decent year now being the clear number two sort of in dallas um 
But again, I don't I don't necessarily think that that's the perfect player for someone like Derek right now in a rebuild. Um, then you sort of you go through the, there, there was a lot again as you said there was there was a lot of uh, war bucks um, spent on the defensive side of things. Um, even look at uh, sort of uh, um, at the gutabouts. Because you've got a situation there where they ended up spending 150 war bucks during RFA, of which uh, 110 of the 150 was on the defensive side of things. So um, he picked up Grant Delpit for 25, Milano for 15, Rashawn Gary for 20, Caden Ellis for 25. So it was it was interesting just to sort of go through where sort of the the, the sort of pressure points were. Like Carla again, Carla spent spent over 200 war bucks including sort of trades um of which 170 of the 200 war bucks she spent was on the defensive side of things so again it's it's seriously weighted there some some someone else now so so the melosis obviously with tom he spent um in total about 100 war bucks net because he obviously got back such a big amount for Derek Carr on the comp tag. He got 90 back. but So he spent 250 war bucks, of which 180 was on the offensive side. So Tom obviously needed to go that that route. And and who the, Tom picked up uh, gave Davis 15. Um, and he obviously sort of um, went off to sort of a few other sort of players there. But it, it, it's interesting to see the different tactics. I think um, there's a lot more economy of scale in the main league guys have got bigger war chests and i think that leads to elevated um or when i say elevated much higher value for players versus the futures and that's where i think you need to differentiate when you sort of starting in the futures is saying look even though he went for 60 war bucks i'll be happy with 40 in the futures or whatever if it gets there um what um what's your feeling from sort of the outside looking at the dd do you think do you think sort of it's there's a bit of a change of pace there? Obviously, Andy won it uh, the year before, and then and then um, we had um, uh, the Dragons. They they missed out in the in the championship, I think, last year. Do you think there's a bit of a change on the DD side of things? I mean, look, you look at those teams. I think you still got like the top four or five dominant teams that are going to be in the mix every year. And I, I can't remember who said it. It was probably Andy who said it. Like, hey, if you just get to the playoffs then, you know, that's what your successful season is because anything can happen once you get there. But uh, that's kind of what you're going for. And yeah. so I think that those teams are more or less, they're trying to improve, but they're also trying to hold the pieces they got because they know they're in that window. Um, so I yeah. think that, like what you said uh, earlier about the balls, that, and I, I agree, like the balls to put up Tyreek Hill because when you're moving off of a player like that, like you are hoping you're getting out one year early. And then, you know, they, that per, that player's got a year left and then they start, yeah. you know, declining. So, hey, look, you got out at max possible value you could. So that, for me, at least in my head, if I were to put in that situation, I put Tyreek up. That's my that's my headspace. Like, hey, I'm doing this because I'm, t- I'm trying to get out at the max possible and it's just going to decline from here. So the fact that he was able to get that hundred and whatever it was, Warbucks out of him, that was just – that's crazy money in RFA. Um, yeah, exactly. And another thing I noticed as well, sort of looking at um, looking at um, Johnny English and, and and the Dragons is um, obviously what, what they they were sort of the the DD champion last year and, and got to the championship game um, against Eze. But in terms of their RFA, 
a, a big portion of, of their Warbuck spent was on re retaining players, which is mm -hmm. what you expect. The Jeremy Chin, he retained for 30. Cole Holcomb retained for 30. Josh Sweat retained for 12. Quinnen Williams retained on a franchise tag for an extra 20. Uh, Oconqua, the, the tight end um, in, in, in Tennessee, he was retained for an extra 10 on his, on his TT. So it's also quite interesting. You can see that the good teams, it's all about a damage control as well, not losing these players. Because if they're not willing to use all five tags, they know that that money is going to have to go into protecting uh, their, their key pieces and their key players as well. Whereas on the flip side, you've got someone like the Silver Ballers and, and they only retained two players. The Nighthawks, they didn't re retain any players. They didn't protect any of their players. So whether or not their squad just wasn't strong enough where they weren't getting poached on or, or sort of weren't getting bid on, um, that's also the debate. Maybe they didn't have any good players uh, to get bid on or, or at the same time, maybe they were looking for sort of a, a bit of a clear out. See, that's where it gets dangerous, in my opinion, is you look at those teams that have high war book total, and it's one one or two ways they're going to proceed, right? They're either playing protect or they're playing, I'm, I'm going spinning. And I know in, like, TT, uh, Bill started off with 406 war books. And like like we like I showed you, like, he only had three tags. Like, he had, you know, plenty of money to go and build his team the way he wanted. Like, that right there, I'm more afraid of uh, players with that kind of build and that mentality or going to RFA with that kind of tactics that somebody is playing protect because you know if they're playing protect they're really not going hunting they're, they're they're just waiting you know and having to protect their guys as they get bid on yeah um, no exactly what um i think uh did you have a little look at the rr side of things did you so, yeah man so you were talking about uh you're talking about keith having the, all that money and sitting on i was uh i was kind of confused like it's hard to keep up during rfa man it's just a busy time of the year and uh, you know you're you're knee deep in your conference but uh so like from the outside looking in and then looking now like uh seeing matt uh the rottweilers like starting off with 250 warbucks and he only bought like five players um i don't know like i i need to go look at his team and see maybe that was just that's what he needed or that that's all he needed but um matt's kind of always been known to to hold those warbucks and uh when i look at it and i look at teams that have a bunch of warbucks going into the season like that that's what scares me next season um you get these teams like, like we talked about Craig. He lost AJ Brown, right? But he got um, because his pick from from Han Yang was a future first. All of a sudden, he had an extra 140 Warbucks. So it's either he goes hunting this year in RFA with that money, um, or he waits until next year. And that's kind of what Bill did. He got all he got an influx last year from somebody getting his franchise tag, and he just waited it out and went shopping this year. And uh, so you you kind of got to look and anticipate what everybody else is doing so you can build your strategy that's going to you know that's going to work yeah absolutely yeah absolutely i think um yeah as you say each each uh like we know gurus here we just have our opinions we're just sharing our yeah. opinions we this is how we do things and this is how we interpreted it um if you got any uh, anyone else on here if you got mike from the legion if you got mike from the blitz if you got mike from the gators if you got anyone else on here they would have different opinions on yeah mike so them. mike from the legion went spending man he spent uh so he went into it with 147 and ended up getting a, a influx from some couple different trades while he was there but he ended up with seven Warbucks. He ended up went, he went buying some players, some yeah, some ones that, that I think are going to be really important for him. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Look, Mike and I are obviously very close sort of in London and I see quite a bit of him and um, it's been nice sort of entering the league when sort of he did and we've sort of sort of grown together through the process of of acclimatizing to to, to roster wars and um, yeah, man, he's, he's he's making shapes, he's making moves. Um, he obviously told me he was pretty gutted uh, or quite upset uh, when, when uh, the comp uh, sorry, when they 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 went after the Dre Greenlaw because he had basically spent all his war bucks, yeah. um, and almost overcooked it. And this is this is obviously a risk of of going into RFA is is not in the back of your mind being aware that people will come after, especially on the TT side. Um, for just a second, they'll come after some good players, and if you don't have the war bucks to protect yourself, then you will get exposed. And he was obviously upset to lose someone like Dre Greenlaw, but he went straight away and just reinvested that TT into Aaron Donald because the man's obviously making a move and and, and trying to trying to trying to make a push. Oh yeah, Aaron Donald, Nick Bosa, uh, a lot of people are on Jack Sanborn, so he he yeah. retained him. He got a couple of different pieces just on the offense that just um that can end up being big time things like Adam Thielen for 10, uh Jacoby Myers, um, James Conner for 10. Like my personal opinion on my personal opinion on Arizona is I think they're in that collapse for Caleb race, man. Uh, so I think that James Conner's gonna get a, a, a big workload. So I think 10 more bucks on James Conner, that that might pay off dividends for him. And so yeah. No, absolutely. Like it's gonna be, yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how how uh, how things sort of shape up, man. How things shape up. But yeah, we obviously now sort of going away from RFA, and we what we're looking at, uh, at at the draft coming up. And I'm sure you do obviously the draft review on on uh, um, on the D, on the TT side, and and I think Ross and myself do sort of in the future. So we'll have to make sure we get uh, get that up and running uh, in the build up to, to to the draft as well. Oh yeah, uh, you know these are the most exciting times in uh, in roster wars is when you do RFA and then um, and then the draft and then after that like you got a little bit of a lull but then you get practice ca- uh, training camp and uh, off season the preseason starting and then it just it's ne- never ends here so it's it's awesome. Yeah, no, exactly, man. Um, any last sort of thoughts like sort of on rfa like how how do you see things changing how how were your cuts in the end did you have to sort of cut down your your team much or or, or afterwards with the, with your zero contracts oh yeah man yeah uh, so with and this like by no means am i an expert it's just kind of the way i do it but when i'm rebuilding i i keep a lot of i do a lot of waiver acquisitions during the year so i always have a lot of trash at the end of the year uh, and I do a lot of waiver acquisitions because I, I like to flip guys. So in a rebuild, like I, I'll be quick. I think I had uh, Grover Stewart. I had Zaire Franklin, like people that I bought for free. And then I'd flip for draft picks because at that point, they're not really helping you in a rebuild. I'm just trying to get a profit and help that future team out, you know. So after RFA, I always got to empty the trash. I think I emptied like 25 players. So it's it's nice to be back down to a manageable amount. I know uh, there's a, a thread up there that kind of talks about roster sizes, and I gave my opinion in there. I said it kind of it fluctuates based off of just you know all different things and different times of the year. But I think my roster's at uh, 49 players right now, and I love it because being at a, a smaller roster size allows you to have a little more contract uh, flexibility. So, what about yeah. you? Do you have to you have to drop a lot or? Yeah, I, I I ended up dropping sort of 15, 15, 20 players. Um, I managed I managed to cull quite a lot of these players um, or trade them away before the end of uh, the regular season last yep. year. Um, so I'm also I'm I'm actually only down to about forty eight now. So not too dissimilar to you, I've got about eight rookie picks 
Um, I'm someone that likes, uh, I like the taxi squad. I like loading up the taxi squad and come and poach me. And I, I like sort of using the poach. Obviously, Car- Carla and I had a bit yeah. of uh, <laughs> a little, a little bit of beef earlier in the season, but it's all good, uh, good and fun. And uh, it's more getting the reaction out of people. And I think, um, oh man, everyone's obviously upset when a good player gets poached. But at the same time, it's sort of how. You navigate that, and that's another sort of unique aspect of of roster wars. But yeah, look, I think um, back to sort of my, my, my squad. I'm I'm sort of happy where it is now. Um, I'm sort of, as you say, I think when you get sort of so addicted into this, you, you sort of set out your team sheet and you pre pre predicting each year your RFA and basically saying, okay, I, if I've got 48 guys now, I want to have 15 on RFA next year and 10 and five, and obviously yeah. it gradually decreases and and that's just sort of just just squad construction really. Um, but no, it's been uh, it's been pretty sweet, man. It's been uh, it's been good to, to 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 get used to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, there's I've been doing this stuff for a while. There's no league I've ever been in like this. You know, there's some that's came close, but just the different dynamics and all the flexibility of just being able to make this thing your own. It's besides the you know, and then you got the community and everybody in it. So uh, I'm just happy to be here. You know, so no, exactly, man. Um, so yeah, man. I'm not sure. Like, is there anything else you wanted to to touch base on before we sort of sign off on our on our first little episode? No, man. Like, uh, like we kind of started it. Like, uh, this wasn't a hey, look. This is a it, this is a directions that everybody needs to take or end all be all from Nate and Sam. This is just hey, uh, some experience that we've seen and just our viewpoint and laugh at it, take it, whatever you want. I'm um, just happy to be here talking about roster wars, talking about RFA, and um, just glad to be around with you. And then looking forward to the next time we get together to chop it up. So. Yeah, man, we'll have to get uh, the other draft reviewers on and 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 uh, and go through different uh, different rounds of of each of the individual drafts and and different tactics and what everyone's going to shaking and moving. Maybe even a, a sneaky mock draft before before things kick off in in a couple of weeks' time. But no, yeah. it's been um, it's been interesting. Yeah, there's gonna you know there's never a shortage of things to talk about around these uh, roster wars halls. So yeah, man, uh, appreciate everybody that uh, is viewing, looking in, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Cheers, guys.